0: You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League,
1: powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Monday edition. The offseason is here because Super Bowl 55 is now over. It is 2021 mode, but we've got to look back at the Super Bowl that was, and wow. Uh, what uh, what a surprising end to the season that was with Tom Brady hoisting his seventh Lombardi thirty one to nine. The Bucks held the Chiefs to nine points thirty one to nine. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are champions of the two thousand twenty football season. We will talk about all of the angles, legacy, um, what to take from this game, what to maybe not take from this game, and overreact from. From the Super Bowl that teams tend to do around the NFL every single season. At BeadiePeacock on Twitter is where you can find me, Matt Williamson at WilliamsonNFL. Thirty-one to nine, just as we all predicted, right, Matt?
1: Absolutely. You know the Chiefs wouldn't score a touchdown, didn't we all have that one? Yeah, you know we we're you were you and I were talking about some of our bet online ag.ag uh, wagers and whatnot. I can't imagine what it wants to paid for Chiefs not to score a touchdown.
0: Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that would have been uh, an amazing prop. And it was oh, the, I don't even know where to begin with this game. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, you wouldn't have expected this the the season to end this way for him. But there might be some overreactions involved with Patrick Mahomes. And I, and I want to get to some of that stuff for sure. And I want to talk more about the game first. But I mean, there's big yeah. opinions that happen on Super Bowl Sunday. Everybody's watching it. Everyone wants to take a lot from it. How about how about this? the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got stuffed on the one yard line and they still beat the chiefs 31 to nine. This could have been a bigger route 38 bigger. to nine. Uh, the Joe Hague missed touchdown. I thought some of those things yeah, would come well back that. to haunt him. And I thought, and we did a locked on live, which is really fun with Ross Jackson, Peter Bukowski and Cody Rourke. And we checked in at halftime and did a little halftime show talking about the game. And all four of us were like, eh, don't get too comfortable. Like the bucks still have to score and Patrick Mahomes could still light it up and we've seen him do it we saw him doing last Super Bowl when the Kansas City Chiefs started out slow and were down a couple of scores we've seen him do it multiple times this season and to the Bucks credit they came out and they just rolled Kansas City early in the third quarter and shut that door and Leonard Fournette pounding it into the end zone and they kept scoring and the defense kept it up too the pass rush kept it up Todd Bowles I mean my goodness. Um if you're a team wow. looking for a head coach, I have to imagine maybe you might have wanted to wait until the Super Bowl was over and have at least a conversation with Todd Bowles, and I have a feeling he's going to be a hot candidate next year at this time in the new cycle and And I know he didn't have a great run as a head coach with New York Jets, but man, seeing what his defense did in this game to the best quarterback and the best offense in the NFL currently, uh, that was fantastic
1: it was fantastic and it was about as good a defensive performance as I can remember in a Super Bowl, to be very honest with you. I mean, it ranks right up there last 20 years considering the opponent how scary they were just some big picture things and I, I'm going to go on and on about this game because there was so much to take away of course and you know everything gets magnified in the Super Bowl but clearly as you stated the, the coaching edge absolutely went to Tampa Bay and I would hope that Bulls and Byron Leftwich, for that matter are now strong strong considerations for the next cycle or You know, could Leftwich take over for Arians if he hangs it up this year? And that's a whole different conversation. Or a year from now, I mean, my my impression was Arians was reluctant to come back, period. He was pretty happy on his boat, chilling and doing what he's doing. So maybe there's a successor already in line. That would make perfect sense. Leftwich has taken the offense over. Side note, it's the only staff in the entire NFL that has three African-American coordinators, including the special teams unit. Mm -hmm. And this is bonkers to me. I didn't plan on talking about this that much, but just came up in my head left, which is the only African-American play caller in the whole league. Like that's nuts to me, but I mean, side note, I'm not here to preach right. about, no, no. That, that, and, I you
0: mean, know. I do. I think that's important. And that was a huge emphasis yeah. when Bruce Arians built that coaching staff, two female coaches as well that get yeah, Super right. Bowl rings, two assistants.
1: So give Bruce credit for all that foresight and whatnot. But give his team credit. I mean, they were extremely well-coached, had the better game plan, and made better adjustments through the game, were much more physical. I mean, on both sides of the ball, one at both lines of scrimmage consistently. That couldn't have been even – I mean, that was so obvious even to the naked eye when Mahomes was dropping back the pass. And, I mean, he was pressured over 50% of his dropbacks, from what I understand, in that neighborhood. And I retweeted this from, from Seth Walter from ESPN – that Patrick Mahomes ran a total of 497 yards before throwing his passes yesterday, which is by far the most of any quarterback in any game. I mean, I thought Mahomes was amazing in this game. I mean, that's, to me, going to be the underreported story. (laughs) I thought he was amazing. Like, if it was any other quarterback, he would have been sacked 20 times and still made throws where his guys almost could make plays. I mean, I was blown away by Pat.
0: Some of the only plays that they had going that were positive, especially early in the game, was Patrick Mahomes running around and gaining first yeah. downs, and he made a ton of plays and probably had two of the most spectacular incomplete passes I've ever seen in that game.
1: Yeah, by the way. exactly. exactly. No one comes close to throwing those or completing them. Like, Imp-
0: impo- like almost humanly impossible. How is he completely horizontal throwing a ball on target, hit the receiver in the face mask, 30 yards down the field. How does he do that? The one where he spun around on the, it was almost, almost the greatest touchdown in the history of NFL football. The one where he spun around on the left sideline, getting around, getting out of uh, uh, danger and and getting out of a sack and then hitting Byron Pringle, who almost made a one handed catch on the other end with a toe tap. I mean, if he comes down with that catch that, I mean, just shut it down. That was the best ever.
1: And that's how desperate the Chiefs were, where they needed all-time great almost plays to make this thing close.
0: To even get close, and they were still lost.
1: even <laughs> get close, even get close. And, you know, the, it, from what I saw, and I, I was excited to watch the coaches' tape, but it looked like the game plan was, we're not going to let Tyreek beat us. We've been down that road. We're going to trust our front four to get home. But even early on, they had some aggressive blitzes. I mean, there was that one blitz where both corners came off each side, and I'm, I'm thinking – Wow, I mean, that caught him by storm, but if you keep that up, Chiefs are going to burn you, and they never did, and then they got behind, and we knew they weren't going to run anyway, but clearly the line was unbelievably outmatched, and Kelsey got his, and he also had a couple drops, and I know people want to talk about the penalties in the first half, and they didn't favor the Chiefs, especially the second quarter. But by no means is that the reason they lost this game, or I mean, it's way down the list of problems they had against the Bucks.
0: Yeah, 49ers fans were were hate watching this game, and they were talking about the flags. And they were like, oh, the Chiefs are going to complain about flags this year. That's what the 49ers fans were saying. Sure. Um, and uh and yeah, part- I was hearing
1: things like Brady gets all the calls. Right. That's Brady. yeah.
0: I heard a lot of that too. Oh, of course. So if Brady was a quarterback, then. Uh, the other team. Then they get all the calls. It's uh, <laughs> that's really funny. It's just you know different right. crews and different. It's just every game officiating is always gonna annoy the the losing team every single time in the NFL. It's just the way uh, it's gonna happen. But um, I've got the stats actually for you. You mentioned the pressures. Patrick Mahomes was pressured. This is from ESPN stats and info. Mahomes was pressured in this game more than any QB in Super Bowl history. Twenty nine wow. times he was pressured. Fifty two percent of his dropbacks. Uh, and that was better than 25 pressures by Jim Kelly in Super Bowl 26, I believe it was, in the early 90s. Tom Brady faced the fewest pressures in any Super Bowl of his career. Only four pressures in that game. So there you
1: go. Wow, and they were in total control. And just now that you mentioned Brady, I wanted to bring this up, too, because, I mean, obviously, you know, we've been kind of harping and I can't remember how many times in the last two weeks I've mentioned after their work work know, their week 13 by this offense has been much better. Well, holy cow, has it been much better? Yep. And we just credited left and his coaching staff, which is awesome. But I firmly believe Brady had a sit down during that two week stretch and said, you know, we didn't get a preseason. We didn't get training camp. I understand this personnel now. You guys understand me. Let's talk this thing out because from that point on, it was dramatically different, especially with play action. Some Patriots staples, and to leftwich andarians, you know, credit they accepted it. They didn't say, "Oh, we're going to do it this way." And he just killed guys yesterday with play action. I mean, forty percent backs were off of play action. All three of his touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Averaged 11.7 yards per play off play action in this game, and uh, that play action stuff just kept ramping up, ramping up since week 13 and crescendoed here in an awesome way. They're very talented, their line's really good. Brady, we should have expected Brady to stumble by his stretch for the first couple months of the year. I mean, he's so robotics the wrong word, but so practiced or such a technician. You go to a new team without a preseason and, and, uh, you know, a regular training camp, there's no way he could have meshed with those guys. And that's one of the most amazing things this big story to me is it only took three or four months, you know, as opposed Mm -hmm. to not ever coming together.
0: More on Super Bowl 55. I've got a ton of things I want to get to. Jason Light, the architect of the whole thing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And some more notes on coaching. And did Andy Reid get out coached in this one? Coming up, Peacock and Williamson. You hear us referencing the lines at betonline.ag. You can get in on the action too. Some of the bets we made on the Super Bowl, there's always so many fun ways to bet on a super bowl i did well for myself kept it simple and ended up putting money on the bucks the more i talked about that game the more it seemed like that was the way to go but uh, there's still no end to things you can have some fun with and make a little money at bet online and by the way get a welcome bonus the fastest easiest way to bet on all the sports action and football is now over but we've got nba college basketball the tourney Coming. Uh, NHL is in full swing. Major League Baseball will be happening in the spring. Bet Online even covers awards and TV shows, reality TV, whatever. You can find a line for it at Bet Online. Real time updated odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. Go to betonline.ag right now. Use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Promo code locked on to get that fifty percent welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Some more with uh, some more notes here, Matt, with what you were talking about with the offense and, and Byron Leftwich, and I thought he called a fantastic game. I was really impressed with one exception. Why was Leonard Fournette not in the game when? They went for it on fourth and one. That was a little bit surprising. And uh, one more note here, a stat on Leonard Fournette. This is from Josh Dubo of the Associated Press. Leonard Fournette had 448 yards from scrimmage and four touchdowns this postseason. This is 10th time a player has had 400 yards and 400, or in four touchdowns with Emmitt Smith doing it twice in 92 and 1993. So here's the list of Uh, players that had 400 yards from scrimmage and four touchdowns in a postseason. Leonard Fournette, um, most recently, it was 2011. Hakeem Nix did it. Larry Fitzgerald in 2008. Then you got to go back to the 90s. Terrell Davis, Emmitt Smith twice, Thurman Thomas. I mean, that's the kind of company Leonard Fournette was in. A playoff Lenny, and he said after the game on Twitter, call him Super Bowl Lenny now.
1: Yeah, and it... My buddies are, are hard on me because... If you're from Pittsburgh and you hate Brady for one reason you're unbelievably jealous and he beat your ass for 20 years. <laughs> so anytime I'm on a text thread with my buds I'll say things like Brady made an unbelievable influence on this team and use that you know play action things as a is a citing, you know, his greatness and maybe he doesn't deserve a 100% credit for everything that went right in the Tampa Bay organization this year. But Fournette didn't run like that in Jacksonville, <laughs> you know. I right. mean, I, I think there's something to be said. I was on local radio here, pre, proving you know, talking about the Super Bowl and before the game, and I said, you know, he's Don Corleone and he brings Gronk in as his Luca Brasi. You know, you know, I mean, like there's there's a reason Gronk's <laughs> there, and there's a couple of his guys. And back to Fournette, like if you're watching Brady with his six rings. Outwork fifty-two other guys on the roster, and you're thinking about dogging it or leaving early or not doing those last reps in the weight room. Like this, this goes for everybody, but fournette's just a perfect example because he looks like a different player than he did in Jacksonville. And you know, I heard this little nugget. You're into recruiting more than I am nowadays. That there was one five-star recruit in that game yesterday, and I thought, "Whoa, was it Devin White? Was it Namakong Sue?" No, it was Leonard Fournette you know I mean he's like one of the most talented guys to mm-hmm. ever enter the college level and maybe he's not that player and was a little disappointing Jacksonville but when you get the fire lit under him is where I'm going with this you get the most out of everybody on the team and he's as good an example as anybody.
0: If Fournette was the number one recruit in his class right? Like but from what I understand, was, yeah, he, he was, was like the, the top recruit in that class. Yeah, I think I saw uh, a stat on Twitter earlier this morning about from Draft Diamonds, who's a it's a draft site that covers small school guys, saying sixty three players on the Super Bowl roster with the combined between the Chiefs and the Bucks were either three star recruits or less or small school guys coming out. So yeah, I mean, right. uh, and there was something like thirty undrafted players.
1: Wow. I didn't see that, but wow! Yeah, I mean, I guess I could think about it, but man, that's unbelievable.
0: It's it's pretty crazy. So yeah, I mean, you you want to talk about the uh, the the top guys and the in the first round picks, and I do want to talk about Jason Light building this thing and the quarterbacks is important, but I mean, there's a lot of other players that were impactful in this game that weren't just you know superstars from the time they were teenagers either. So uh, that that's really important right. to remember. And some players are late bloomers which is why the draft is so fun and you can find that gem at the end of the draft or even when the draft is over there's still some impactful players to still be had and the good teams can find those players and coach them up which is important uh and get them ready to play and when we and this is why I flipped at the last minute and I put some money at betonline.ag I put some money on the bucks and I even went and found some better odds that they had there that actually was with the bucks favored I gave myself a little plus 235 action on the Bucs being favored by three and a half points because I, I thought, you know, if I'm going to go Bucks I'm going to go big with the Bucs. And after we did our show Friday is when I put that bet down and I waited to make any bets on the Super Bowl until I really thought about this game for the week. And just we went through position by position and the Buccaneers were deeper. And I think depth is what really put them over the top in this game. And Brady is Brady and Mahomes is Mahomes. But. You can't fake what we saw with the line play and how dominant on both sides right, of the ball right. offensive line and defensive line wise the buccaneers were over the kansas city chiefs and it and it and it gave patrick mahomes one of the worst defeats he's ever had and and here's another note on that which is why i wanted to talk about the coaching a little bit and i talked about the the game that byron leftwich called andy reed on offense this is very curious very very curious this one from daniel jeremiah uh kansas city used five man protection Ninety-two percent of Patrick Mahomes' dropbacks, forty-eight of fifty-two dropbacks, were only five-man protections. They left those two backup offensive tackles without help, and it was a big mistake. And I totally agree with that. With Daniel Jeremiah, I don't know what they were thinking. That that stat- statistic comes from uh, Next Gen Stats NFL.com, and uh, further from Next Gen Stats, the Chiefs' five-man protection usage was third highest rate by any team in a game in the next-gen stats era, which goes back to 2016. You would have thought this would have been the opposite with what the Chiefs had going on. Uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif opted out. They were without four starting offensive linemen that they thought they were going to have coming into the year, and you run five-man protections out there 92% of the time. That lost them the Super Bowl.
1: I have like three big points to get to and two of them are team building related. Maybe we can, if we wanted to bump in the next segment, that's cool with me. Um, I wanted to touch on, you know, our Friday podcast when we went position by position, I'm sure our listeners like I could hear you changing your tune, you know, like, Hmm, man, we're just keep picking the bucks and they're deeper. And I wasn't quite there yet, but as we had that conversation, I'm thinking, boy, I'm a little less confident in the chiefs. <laughs> I mean, every position, besides quarterback is leaning towards the box or as a tie.
0: And it wasn't like the quarter, uh, they had the greatest of all time at quarterback too. And we saw that. And, and that's the right, other right. thing is it wasn't such an overwhelming, like, look, this is still Tom Brady and you have the team to go with it. That is super deep. And I, and I do have a lot of team building notes as well. So we should save that for uh, the third segment here. Um, but, but I agree with you when, when we went back and we went through the whole thing, it was, it was like, man, you know what? Um, uh, in my heart, it's like, man, you can't bet against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They're just too darn good. They're the best team in the league, and they won the Super Bowl last year. We saw them roll through, and even when they did get down early, it didn't matter. But the more I looked at it, and specifically that offensive line, and I talked about how Dark Horse MVPs could be Jason Pierre-Paul and, and Shaq Barrett, and obviously, you know, the quarterback's always going to win the MVP, but right. it, it and it wasn't just that. I, I do want to give credit. We haven't really talked about the linebackers, how amazing Devin White and Levante David both were in shutting down the screen game because Andy Reid was trying to get the screen game going early, and those linebackers with their range shut that down quick. Um, They shut down Travis Kelsey. Uh, The young defensive backfield were making plays, getting their hands on the ball. Murphy Bunting and Carlton Davis and the rookie in Winfield. I mean, they all played fantastic behind those pass rushers, and, and the pass rushers were getting there often, and they were getting there quickly, but the rest of the defense in the back end was amazing as well.
1: Yeah, and they weren't they weren't taking the cheese on all the jet motions and orbit motions and all the stuff Kansas City does pre-snap. And the thing that you you mentioned there, and I'm glad you did because I wanted to talk about it cuz I thought it was going to be instrumental in this game was the Kansas City screen game because they gave it up. I mean, th- those those linebackers that, that run so well ate it up early in the game. I thought the screen game would really mitigate the massive pass rush you know, differentials that they were facing in a negative way and they didn't stick with it and it didn't work to begin with I'm not saying they should have stuck with it one of my bets was Edwards Hilaire to have over three catch you know over two and a half catches I thought they'd screen him to death no you know I mean things weren't working I mean the Bucks had all the answers and speaking okay I'm gonna go it's a little bit of a team building thing Edwards Hilaire you know, and you mentioned the five man protections. This is where I'm going with this. Is first of all, that's what Kansas City does. They have to regret it now. I mean, they have to. But I remember, and even Peter Bukowski just asked me this because he was, you know, locked on today. They just, they, I was on last night. So that's going to air air today, asking about, you know, Casey's offseason. And I said, even at the time, I thought it, taking Edwards Hilaire at the end of the first round was. little more of a luxury than they could afford. You know, I mean, they had other needs, particularly interior offensive line at the time. But one thing I kind of mentioned at the time, too, was, hey, I like Dobbins better. I like Taylor better. Edwards Hilaire doesn't protect for crap. I mean, he was terrible at LSU. But Casey doesn't care. You know I mean? Like, they didn't want him as a weapon. They don't want him in protection. That's what they do is they only – they put – they want five guys in the route. So, yeah, you could have asked him and or lesser degree Williams to pass block, but they're not good at it because that's not how they brought their backs in what they brought their backs in to do.
0: <laughs> that's a great point. It was a luxury yeah. pick. And uh, in hindsight, you're thinking, OK, well, your team's not that amazing uh, depth wise. And you can see how the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What they got in the draft, and and that was a big difference, I think, in this game, right, oh. was just this latest draft, and it's usually a couple of years when you start to see fruition for those things, but it wasn't the case. I want to talk more about that team building and how each of these teams were built and uh, what difference that made in Super Bowl 55 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers becoming champions this year. Coming up, Peacock and Williamson. February has become my get in shape month. It's, it's the way my life has gone the last couple of years. And after February, I was doing so well, things fell apart for me in March, trying to get back there now in February. A big part of that for me is built Bar because it is a guilt-free snack. It tastes delicious. You don't feel like you're missing out on anything, yet you're getting all this protein and high fiber in a low sugar, low calorie snack. Are you hungry? Do you need a snack? Do you want something that tastes good but won't ruin your diet? It's easy. Built Bar. Power your workout. You need something to get you between meals. You're on a long drive. Pull out a Built Bar. You're good to go on your commute. Uh, you forgot breakfast. Grab yourself a Built Bar. For me, uh, I've been I've become a pandemic golfer. Still not very good. Grab a Built Bar in your bag. You're not cranking back some crazy chili dog at the turn. Get a Built Bar. Get that protein inside you and power through the back nine. Best of all, you can go to BuiltBar.com and get 20 percent off with promo code locked on go to builtbar.com promo code locked on you'll get 20 percent off your next order of built bars one of the big things so you mentioned how the kansas city chiefs are like oh that's fun let's go have some toys we're super bowl champs we're the best team out there let's go draft a, you know a small quick running back in round one rather than depth and, and some other more important positions on our football team and i'm definitely anti drafting running backs in the first round i didn't like to the pick then i like it even less now for the Chiefs, and then when you counter that with what Jason Light did for the Buccaneers, obviously you got Tom Brady in free agency, which was huge. Tristan Wirfs in round one, and they traded up just one spot to make sure they got that offensive tackle to protect Brady and help out in the run game. Picked up Leonard Fournette off the scrap heap. And then after the Kansas City Chiefs drafted Clyde Edward Tiller, the Bucks drafted Antoine Winfield Jr. in the second round, who was instrumental this season. As a rookie at safety too, so I, I got to give big props to Jason Light who built a Super Bowl team.
1: Yeah, let's let's stick with Tampa Bay's team building a little bit because many times this off season, before we even ne- before I even knew where Brady was going to go, you know that when it was pretty clear Jameis Winston wasn't going to be back in Tampa, I said over and over, Tampa is going to be a contender. If their quarterback doesn't throw 30 interceptions, you know, like just get, and I'm, I'm still some of a Winston fan, so I'm not killing him, but if you just have average turnover luck from the quarterback position, this defense was awesome last year, but they were always, they were like fourth in DVOA, but 28 in points allowed, you know, like that's all you need to know about the defense last year. So just getting the turnover differential in line was going to make this team pretty darn good. And I think the Bucks were smart enough to realize that. They added two very, very key pieces that you mentioned in the first two picks of the draft and were made sure that they did. And they hit on both, clearly. I mean, they both honestly were in the offensive-defensive Rookie of the Year conversation. Of Obviously, you added Brady, and we talked about his value. But you got some Brady guys, too. Gronk, who I mentioned. You bring in A.B., bring in Fournette, but other than that, they didn't do a ton. You know, I mean, they they had some gift-free agents. Gronk out of retirement, AB off the scrap heap, Fournette, who just got cut, and you drafted two really important players, and now you look at the team, it's like, well, God's up, Shaq Barrett's up, but all in all, they're going to cl- be pretty darn close to running it back next year.
0: Yeah, Brady did say after the game that he's going to come back, and they're going to give it one more shot. We'll see how long Brady goes if uh, he goes past next year and is playing into his late 40s. I'm, I'm all for it. Keep going, Tom Brady, as long as you can. Uh, if you're older than me and you're still playing, I hope you play forever. Makes me feel a little yeah, bit right. younger. Um, yeah. But yeah, and you mentioned, so, and, and not only... So a second round pick on Antoine Winfield, fantastic selection. I think he should have been in consideration for defensive rookie of the year. And I think Tristan Wirfs maybe should have been offensive rookie of the year on the other side. So fantastic draft there. Then you go back to other drafts, spending second round, third round picks on Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy bunting. But to your point, so this is where the overreaction comes in. So every time a team wins a Super Bowl, Everyone thinks, okay, this is the way, you know, whatever happened in this game is this, and whatever happened with this team who was the best, this is the way you build your team. And I look at the Buccaneers, and everyone's going to talk about, okay, Kansas City lost because bad offensive line. Well, they were a hurt offensive line and an opted-out offensive line. They weren't necessarily a bad team-built offensive line. It was just circumstances that really hurt Kansas City more than anything. And depth is great, but it's not like you have all pros backing up all pros on all five offensive line positions on any team in the NFL. So a lot of that is luck. So I think there's going to be a little bit of an overreaction and every team in the league is going to say, look, we could win with our quarterback because all we need is an offensive line. Look what happened to Kansas City Chiefs. Even the best quarterback in the league, if his offensive line is destroyed against a good defensive line, is going to suffer. And there's some truth to that, but I think there's there's a lot of overreaction I'm seeing uh, today about what happened in that game. And when you look at the Buccaneers, they had Jamel Dean and they had Carlton Davis, and they had Murphy Bunting, and they had Levante yeah. David, and Devin White, and they had Vita Vea, and they had Cameron Brate, and they had Ronald Jones, right? And they had Mike Evans, and they had Chris Godwin, and and I think you're kind of seeing where I'm going with this. They went from Jameis Winston to Tom Brady and won the Super Bowl. I think that gets overlooked. You know how important the quarterback position is. Yes, you need an offensive line, you need a defensive line, and they played fantastic throughout. And like if if the team building aspect you take away from this is okay this here's how you build a great team get the greatest quarterback of all time have an awesome offensive line have a fantastic defensive line insanely fast linebackers and a really good young secondary oh yeah oh you think that yeah you might have a good team if you do that <laughs> right, right? right so uh, yeah. um it, yeah it, and, they went from winston and, and to, like, wrong. they went from, yeah they went from winston to brady that's why they're in the super bowl don't get so focused on the broken down kansas city offensive line we still saw the four of the five best quarterbacks in the league this year as the final four teams in the playoffs the greatest of all time going into the greatest currently quarterbacks in the super bowl don't just go thinking oh got to get an offensive line defensive line that's it and plug in any old quarterback no going from winston to brady is what put the bucks in the super bowl
1: right and a lot of things you said there i mean the chiefs couldn't lose their tackles. They knew they were soft up the middle, especially after, you know, Tardif opted out. But their tackles were the foundation of their offense. They lost them both. I mean, wow, that's a hard, very, very hard to overcome. Uh, kind of my point about this was a contender. If you don't turn the ball over a million times, a lot of those guys you mentioned from the Bucs, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and then you add Werfs as well, but also Godwin, were recently drafted hits. You know, they're cheap labor. or That whole secondary, they're not paying. Levante David's not expensive yet. Worfs isn't expensive yet. Godwin's about to be expensive. You hit on a lot of day two picks there and and round one guys over the last four years or so. Congratulations. That's awesome. I mean, that's the foundation of the team. Um, My question to you is a little different in that I don't think this is the beginning of the end or anything like that because Mahomes is insanely good. They have a great thing going. But it does kind of show in the team building world that now that you're paying your quarterback a bazillion, gazillion dollars, you're not going to add free agents anymore. You know, like team building got, got a lot harder for Kansas City. You're picking 31, you picked 32 last year, and your quarterback's very expensive
0: and start and it's going to start getting a lot more expensive absolutely so it right, gets, right. it gets so much more difficult for Kansas City that period of having a cheap superstar quarterback is over for them you can't screw around draft first round running backs anymore you just can't do it got to be a little bit smarter with your resources and they're going to still be good because you've got that chip in uh in Patrick Mahomes, that's going to win you a lot of games, but you've got to be smart. You can't throw away dollars. They're going to have to figure out some things with a pretty expensive defensive line. Uh, Frank Clark's probably the guy that ends up not seeing the end of his contract there. Yeah. And you got to be smart in the draft and continue to build depth on that roster.
1: Right, and it's getting harder and harder for you. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, by the way, and this is just the the beauty of the NFL, Justin Herbert's now in your division, and all of a sudden the AFC has burrow and lawrence and watson you know like just loaded with young quarterbacks gunning the that are gunning for you you know i mean it's not easy to stay on top and let's throw a kudos out to belichick and brady for being able to do it for so long under the similar circumstances you know picking late in the round every year you know
0: how did new england patriots fans feel watching this game do you think watching brady throw two touchdown passes to gronk and, and win a championship
1: First of all, Gronk was awesome in this game, He was, and that made me happier than maybe anything because I think he's one of my all-time faves, and it's been a couple times in his Super Bowl career where you give him that extra bye week to kind of mend some of his bumps and bruises that he lights it up for a game, and that was awesome to see. Um, I also had Gronk to have score the first touchdown at a nice number, too.
0: <laughs> that place to helps.
1: But I've noticed, I know a lot of New England fans, and they're all over the place, but there's a lot in this neck of the woods, too. Most of them are Brady fans, you know, that they're just thrilled with Brady. They blame the Patriots for the way that went, that they're going to root for 12 till no matter what, because he's been so good to them over the years, which I totally understand. But I also don't like the narrative of, it was Brady all along and Belichick wrote his coattails.
0: No, 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 no. We've talked about that a lot and yeah Yeah, that that needs to get shut down quick the other narrative that needs to get shut down quick is that Patrick Mahomes uh, can never be Brady because he lost this Super Bowl and that that (laughs) he didn't play that good or anything like that Mahomes was amazing in this game Bill Belichick is amazing some narratives that come out of these things that are you know um, very short-sighted are just awful so we need to make sure we crush those every single time
1: I've been asked a few times since the whistle blew. Well, does this kill Mahomes' chance? Does this does Mahomes lose twice here? He loses this game, and Brady wins his seventh, so now Mahomes has to win eight to be the GOAT, and I'm like, whoa. I mean, we're talking <laughs> about him being the best player in the sport ever, and you're asking me if he can win eight Super Bowls? I mean, like, yeah. no. No one's going to win eight Super Bowls. That's Look. DiMaggio's hitting streak. I mean, that's Gretzky's point total. Like. No one's winning eight.
0: Yeah, and and unless and, it's
1: Tom, and if so, let's have this <laughs> next year. If
0: this right. if this conversation uh, is is for real about Mahomes, uh, I hope we're still doing this podcast in twenty years so we can actually talk about it because right now it's just absurd. Right.
1: Right. I mean, the guy's amazing. He's already in the all time great conversation, but it's such a small body of work to say, boy, now he can't be the GOAT because he lost this game. I'm like, come on. He was amazing
0: in this game. All right. We got to get out of here. One quick question for you. You are Jason Light now going into this offseason. Are you all in knowing Tom Brady's coming back? Gronk said he's staying unretired. Do you just do everything you can to win now and hit this championship window? Or are you maybe drafting a quarterback early to be the next guy after Tom Brady? Uh, You got a lot of young talent that we outlined in this game to try to win for a while.
1: Um... I'm more in it for now. I, I think you're going to have to have a conversation of God versus Barrett. And I don't know the franchising Barrett again makes sense. I do think Antonio Brown's coming back, which might make that conversation a little easier as for quarterback of the future. Frankly, I don't think Mac Jones will be there at 32 and there's nobody I think that's worth, you know, taking you know, that pick on. So no, but maybe it wouldn't kill you if you do have a couple bucks to bring in, Jacoby Brissett or you know somebody like that that's a, a number or two or you know but I bet it's Brady and nothing else in its next year's project.
0: Strike while the iron's hot uh that's uh that's what we're seeing a lot of GMs yep. around the league doing is is this is a group of younger GMs that are more active and they're willing to do a lot and willing to go out on a limb and get what They need to do done rather than playing it close to the vest, which is what we've seen throughout the league for a long time. So I think it's going to make for a really fun offseason. And I think the Chiefs and the Bucks are two teams that will still be fun. They're not drafting early, but um, they have big time needs still. And they have uh, some big decisions to make when it comes to trying to get back to The Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56 in 2022, and it starts now. The offseason is fully on. The 2020 season is over. Matt Williamson and myself will have you covered every single day, every step of the way, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Matt Williamson's cooking up a mock draft this week as well, and we'll uh, drop that for you, I think, Wednesday right here. Peacock and Williamson.